Today's passage that we'll be hearing from, as Kate said in the kids' moment earlier, is going to be from Lamentations, a passage that's not necessarily preached on very much or from the book that's preached on very much, but today it's appropriate that we, we dive into this. And so we're going to be looking at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Uh, you can follow along in your own personal Bible, or you can follow along on the screens behind me as they display the words as I read them. So Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that the one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, we are a society that generally hates to wait. You know, we always like things to be instant in our lives. That's why Amazon Prime is so successful. Two-day shipping is real successful. But even in our own lives, we've noticed that, like, how we watch television has changed. You know, if you think back 10, 15 years ago, streaming probably wasn't as big as it is today. So, you know, you would have to kind of sometime wait for your show to come on that you want to watch, and you'd watch it, then you'd have to wait a whole another week. Can you believe we had to wait a whole another week to watch the next episode, and we couldn't just let that stream just continue on and binge watch the whole thing? But that's how we are. We love instant streaming and picking shows and, and burning through them and all, like in a weekend, you know, instead of waiting a whole season to see what happens. Because generally we're a society that hates to wait. We're impatient. I'm impatient. I hate waiting. I always try to pick, and I've told you before, the shortest grocery line at the store so I can get through it quicker. And I always feel bad when I pick the wrong line. So we just hate to wait. Well, I was, uh, as I was prepping for this sermon, I came across an interesting survey done by Timex, the people that make your watches, people that know a lot about time. And in their survey, they asked people how long they were willing to wait for various annoyances before they reacted, Okay. And so the reactions were varying on the case specifics. Um, but, you know, how long does it take for you to wait before you say something or do something or get a little frustrated at the moment that you're in? So they asked people about 11 different things that are annoyances in life. And how long are you willing to wait until you do something? Okay, this was very interesting. So the situation is you're sitting at a at a stoplight, right, and it's red, and you're behind the car, it's morning traffic, you're trying to get everywhere you need to go, and it turns green, and guess what? The car in front of you stays put. We've all been there, right? How long do you give them before you honk at them? Mississippi, we don't honk at people a lot. You know, we feel like things offensive. You go to New York, they're honking all the time on the streets. It's very common. But here in the South, we're polite. We try not to honk at folks. But how long do you wait? How long do you wait before you start laying on the horn and be like, hey, and when you do it, this is just a little tap or just like a long horn. But all right. It says, interestingly, this is longer than what I thought. I, I have a very short tolerance. I mean, I give you like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Okay, we got to go. All right. They said 50 seconds. Wow. It says 50 seconds. I'm like, I would not have the patience to wait almost a minute if the light was still green. I would have been furious. All right. You go to a movie. It's a big deal to go to a movie nowadays, right? That costs a lot of money. They're getting better shows out to go see. But usually when you go to the movie, you're like, this is something I want to invest in, spend the time, get babysitters and all that, and make an experience out of it. Because guess what? We can stream it three weeks later. But if we're going to go to the theaters, we're going to invest in it. So you sit there, and there's people talking. That happens. 
It's past the courtesy of the little reminder, everybody turn your phones off, stop talking. It's the, the previews, you might can handle talking, but it's in the movie, like in the middle of a movie, and they're talking. How long do you wait? Survey says a minute, 52 seconds before someone says something. Almost two minutes. These people are more graceful than me, but that's what they say. A minute, 52. You're at a restaurant. There's a baby. It's not your baby, so you're glad you're not there in this moment. But we've all been there as parents, but you've also been to places, and there's a screaming child. Right there, you paid all this money to go out to eat, and they brought their kid, and they're just screaming. They're having that moment. They're throwing the Cheetos everywhere, and the little phone movie's not working to calm them down. So how long do you wait before you say something? They say two minutes, 41 seconds, which I thought was interesting. Uh, how long are you willing to wait at the doctor's office before you go and check that receptionist to make sure everything's okay? You know, because you've been there for a while waiting for your appointment. They say usually people will wait 32 minutes before they'll say anything to the receptionist, all right? And then I'll leave you with this one. When you're waiting in line for your favorite coffee, okay, how long are you going to give that barista making your coffee before you say something if it's taking too long? You know, I, I give them a lot of grace. I understand. I want my drink to be just right. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. So many of us face these annoyances every day, and we all have our tolerance. Because guess what? We hate to wait. We hate to wait. I hate waiting. I hate going to the DMV and get my license renewed. I know that takes forever. I hate getting a new cell phone. That takes forever. I hate waiting, okay? But some say waiting is a virtue. Waiting is something that we uh, need to expect in our life. And being patient while we're waiting is something that we need to work on, including me. I'm right there. I need to work on my patience while we wait. It makes us uncomfortable, though, because what's it doing is, is forcing you to be still, and you can't control the situation. We can't control why we're having to wait. We just have to do it, and that bothers us, too, because we like to be in control of our environment and what happens to us. But you're not on your time. You're on their time, so you've got to wait for whatever the reason is, okay? So waiting is hard. It's uncomfortable because we're out of control. But when you read this passage that we read here, and we'll get into it in just a second, you see the word hope in here. But the Hebrew word for hope is also the Hebrew word for waiting as well. Okay? So hope and waiting is the same word in Hebrew. And so when we look at it that way, we can look at waiting in a different context. Well, instead of it being an annoyance in your life that makes you uncomfortable, makes you feel like you're out of control while you're waiting for whatever the situation is, but also think of it in terms of hope, that hope and waiting are the same word when it comes to the Hebrew text. And so that opens up something here when we look at this passage. When we read this passage and when we see the word hope, we also need to think about waiting as well. And so we get to the passage today in Lamentations. All right? Lamentations is a book that's not preached on a lot because guess what? It's about a group of people sitting through destruction and misery that they cannot even bear anymore. It makes you uncomfortable when you look at the type of pain, agony, and the waiting they're going through. So who really wants to really look into that, right? As Christians, we don't think about the happy things in life. But also there are seasons of sadness in our life too. And I think we learn in those seasons of sadness as well. And maybe we shouldn't have to rush through those or want to rush through those. Maybe there is some value in having hope and waiting in those moments. And so Lamentations, when you get to this book in the Bible, it's an unnamed prophet that writes it. But many people attribute it to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Okay? He was around in some pretty difficult times for the people of God. Okay? They have gotten off course, obviously. 
Uh, they have made some poor decisions that God was not happy with. But in this book of Lamentations, what has just happened is, is that the empire of Babylon, the Babylonians, came in and conquered the kingdom of Judah, which had is the divided kingdom of Judah, and it had Jerusalem, the city there, okay? And they just came in, and they just laid waste to everything. They had laid waste to the town, their holy temple, their land that they were promised is all gone, okay? And Jeremiah, you know, saw this coming. He was sad about it because all that God's people found identity in was about to be destroyed before their very eyes. There would be widespread hunger and pain and death, loss of identity. All of these things is what's going on right now. So this book was written by Jeremiah, they believe, right at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem and the conquering of Judah and the people. And as you go through the book of Lamentations, it looks like there's like five poems that lament and talk about the hardship. It's uncomfortable. And when we look at it, you know, it's important for us to understand the pain that these individuals are going, for, going through. Because, like I said, a lot of times we would like just to go from the main event, if it's a tough event, and jump right ahead to the good stuff and forget the in-between. Well, this book looks at the in-between, about the feelings and the emotions that are going through it. There's another book in the Bible also that kind of goes through a season of difficulties, and that's the book of Job as well. And many of us know that Job, he had everything. He had, he had property, he had family, he had wealth, he had his health, he had security. But yet, in a moment's notice, all that went away. All that went away for him. And he had to sit in the ashes and he had to sit there and wrestle with what is happening. What am I being taught? What is happening in my life right now? Why is this happening? And that is a very logical question to ask. You know, for us, when we go through challenges in our lives, whether it's a death of a family member or friend, a loss of a relationship, a job, changes within the church itself, you know, uncertainty in our society, we ask, why? We sit there and wrestle with why. There's got to be some sense to this. We've got to find out why this is happening. But sometimes instead of wondering why, maybe we just are called to have hope or to wait in that season and just sit for a moment in the reality of what is. And so I think what we come across the Lamentations, we can learn today in our context. But you see, for Jeremiah, for them, for all the destruction that they faced at the hand of an enemy conqueror, for losing their temple and their identity and being exiled and having the worst of the worst. I mean, when you read the passages before this, you had people starving and dying, children in bad situations. And Jeremiah is just walking through this town, this holy city of what it was supposed to be, and see it laid to waste. Can you imagine what that would feel like? Something that you have dedicated your life to, to be a part of, to a group of people, and to see it being laid in destruction, how that would feel. How that would feel. But here you have in the passage where we pick up today, you have this from the prophet. It says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Okay, so when we look at what he's saying here, he's recalling back in the moments where God blessed his people. So when we're sitting in the midst of ruins, in the midst of change and challenges and hardships, what we have is our memories of the moments where God has been faithful, the moments of blessings, 
You know, for Jeremiah, he can think back to the stories of Noah's Ark with all the destruction of the world. But at the end, God sent the rainbow to say he'll never destroy the world in that way again. And there'll be new birth and new life amongst the creation. Or in the exile where they were enslaved for hundreds of years for them to be let out of that moment into a land of promise. Or even in the moments of where they read in the book of Job and see the hardship he goes through. In the end, though, through his faithfulness, he is restored. So these moments is where Jeremiah is sitting here and focusing on. It's like, I remember these, God. I know these. I remember the times where we were blessed and there were land of plenty and we were all made whole. Even though I sit in the ashes, I have the memories of what you have done for your people and I have hope. I have hope amidst the ruins because your love is steadfast and never ceases your mercies never come to end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness every day we receive new mercies his love is steadfast amongst these times of trial he is still with us he has not forgotten us he is with us in these situations he is with Jeremiah and the people of God as they go through this misery here and they hold on to those memories and gives them hope for new mercies each day. He said, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I will wait in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to, soul, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Like I said, waiting's hard. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. We want the pain to be over. We want this to move on as quickly as possible. But if you don't sit in the ashes, you can't heal. You have to acknowledge the moments of, of distress in your life. As Jeremiah says, we wait patiently. It is good that the one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, our, our local church here, just speaking very honestly, has had a difficult three and a half years. Three and a half years. I pinpoint the challenges we faced, and it's not just us. All local churches have faced these challenges too. But starting with the issue of the worldwide pandemic of COVID and how to navigate through that, that was tough. I hate getting on social media, and it pulls up the memories I had for that time period. And I look back, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we're not doing that again. I'm so glad I can just go eat at a restaurant. I'm so glad that we can now worship in person I'm so glad that people aren't fighting over if you wear a mask or not, what type of person you are politically. Okay, I'm, we're done with all of that. So I'm like, oh. And I look at this and I'm like, glad that's over with. So we went through that as a church. We went through that as a society. It's very difficult. Relationships were fractured in that time. They were. Friendships, family. You think about church relations, all that was a difficult season. But yet we made it through that season. And there's some things that we learned. One thing that I have grown to appreciate was during that time I grew closer to my family. When I say family, my wife and kids, because we were home a lot looking at each other some of those seasons, okay? But also I got to know my neighborhood friends a lot better too, because everybody wanted to get out and walk the neighborhoods and things. So you, there's some benefits that even though relationships were strained, you reinforced and kind of found new ones too. There was something positive that came out of that. But then the church then journeyed into, in our, the United Methodist tradition, we had to all go through the season of discernment of, you know, whether the local church would want to remain as a United Methodist congregation or break off and do its own new thing that God is calling it to do. And God has called people to do different things in life, and that's okay. But yet there again, you know, it's been a difficult season. 
we all have relationships that are strained, fractured. And so yet here we are, not knowing exactly what the future is going to look like. We're in this season of waiting, but yet we're clinging to hope in this waiting. Because we don't know exactly how God is going to move. A lot of times he moves in our life in ways that we may not want to, but it's ways for our good. And so we have to accept that. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And so when we look through this, as we sit through and we process, as we lament, as we sit here and lament the moment that we're in, we have to go through that. You have to go through the fire a little bit so we can be refined in what we're supposed to be, so we can heal. And it's uncomfortable, but that's what we do. But the way that we do that too, when you look at this passage of Lamentations, and it is Jeremiah saying this, but it's a communal lamentation. The whole Hebrew people in that time were going through it all together. You know, they were going through the destruction of their town, the destroying of their temple, and being exiled together. And so one thing that we do in these seasons, as we recognize God's with us, but we also, we have each other. Look around. Look around the hallways when you leave. In your classes, in the church, it looks a little different, but yet we're not alone either. While God is with us, we have each other as well. God created us to be in relationship with each other. He didn't create us to be rogue and not have anybody in our own lives. He created family units. He created church communities because we were called to be in relationship. When he had made Adam and saw him in the garden and saw that he was alone, he said, this is not good. He needs a partner. And so we need each other in our lives. And so in this moment, you know, when I talk about us being together in community, we need to form new avenues of community within our church family. You know, we need to say, hey, you know what? Just because I have never participated in our bereavement ministry, which some of you may know who that is, but it's when someone passes away, we have people that are called upon to make food and to serve food to the family after the funeral and visitation. But we do that because that forms community. That forms community and we form new bonds. You know, there's a lot of opportunities to plug into our church through the choir, through music, through children's, through youth, through Sunday school, that beforehand we may not have seen the need to do that, but now as we go through the season of lament, we have each other. We do this as to form new bonds within community because that's what the people did. While they were in exile, they still held on to their faith. They still held on to their faith. The individuals that were put into captivity, that were put into exile, also got to show their captors what it is to serve a loving God. And they were exposed to a whole new faith through, the cap, through being in exile. They had to be creative. God called them in different ways. And so I think for right now, as we sit here in this season too, don't forget we've got each other. You're not alone in this season. We are not alone as a church. There are many faces that are here. There are many ways and opportunities for us to come together and to serve. I think that's important. I think that as we look at this season, we'll come out of it in a new way. A way that can reach people that we never would have thought of. And so, as much as we want to go through this season to the good stuff, let, let it form us. What can we learn from this? How were our actions and inactions a part of this? What has happened here? What is God teaching us in this moment? How is he going to use us? You know, because 
people can hurt God's church, but we're not going to be able to destroy it. God's church is eternal. Okay, And I've said this before. Jesus won it on the cross. And that should give us some assurance, gives us some grace where we fail. But we are also called to be a people on the move. We are called to the people to form community and form bonds. And so I think what we need to do in this season, too, is remember who we are. You know, we are still the faithful people that have always been. We are still the St. Matthews United Methodist Church that's done great ministry. We are still that family of faith reaching out to share the life-changing love and grace of Jesus to the world. There are a lot of folks out there that need church community. They need to see the love of Christ lived out through the people who call themselves Christian. I think this is a call for us to be a, a call to action as well as we wait. To actively discern what we are to do and what this is to teach us. So own the hurt. Feel the hurt. And the lost relationships. And move, move with that. Allow God to teach you things in that. And then when we are ready and when he is ready for us, through the new bonds that we are forming as a community, we'll go out and show the world what it's like to love neighbor and love God. So it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel the way you feel. But as we wait, have hope. Because there's hope in the waiting, because God is good. Let us pray.